You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Silence can be a little deafening sometimes. Is that right? How many of you thought, like, oh, man, he really doesn't, like, he's lost it? Like, (laughs) how many people felt awkward, like, when it was quiet? Like, don't be afraid. Raise your hand. I I couldn't make eye contact with my wife because I knew if I did, I I would, like, break, you know? Um, (laughs) um, That was maybe what, like? 10 seconds of silence, right? It felt like forever, right? Right, they're like, he, okay, today's the day he officially lost his mind, like, <laughs> right? Um, silence can, can be deafening sometimes, right? And, uh, you know, it's because we're so used to the noise. We're so used to it, right? I, um, so before COVID, uh, so this was probably uh, almost three years ago, maybe two and a half, something like that. I bought tickets to a concert for me and my wife to go to, right? And um, so uh, COVID happened, the concert didn't happen, and it got rescheduled to last night. So, um, so I, uh, I went to um, see Chris Stapleton last night. I don't know if anybody likes him, but, um, but, uh, and, and saw, heard some good music and stuff and, and, uh, definitely observed, uh, the human condition, um, on, on full display and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and myself included, I guess. And so like, um, you know, uh, we're, we're in the pit right up near the stage and, um, you know, uh, there's all kinds of drinking and smoking going on and stuff. And, like, uh, this one really hammered guy kept pushing his way up to the front of the stage. And then he'd leave and pushing himself up to the front again, you know. And then eventually, uh, you know, fight broke out. And, um, you know, once the security guards had a hold of me, um, <laughs> it, it was, uh, uh, that was, that was a dad joke. Sorry, I had to set it up. <laughs> but um, but once the security guards got got the guys right, you know uh, the guys that were fighting and everything like that, they got them out of there and stuff. And and uh, it was just it was a pretty wild night. Like honestly, I was not prepared for um, for last night. And uh, so, uh, but the music was phenomenal, and I I enjoyed that thoroughly. But when we got in the car after the concert was over. Um, my wife didn't end up going to the concert. It was me and Dr. Mark Ashley, and uh, and it was like I don't know, 11:30 or something like that. And neither of us said a word. And like the car, we didn't play any music, like nothing. And we got to this place of silence where it was like what we both needed in the moment, you know what I mean? And so, like, silence can be this powerful, powerful tool, right? And um, uh, have you ever asked someone 
like a slightly, like you finally worked up the courage to ask someone a vulnerable question or something like that. And, uh, and like you, you go out on a limb, you ask the vulnerable question, and their response is a long pause of silence. I've been there. <laughs> scary, right? Yeah, scary. Like, oh my gosh. It kind of depends on the question how scary it is. But, you know, um, if it's like, well, never mind. I won't give examples. Uh, I can only think of uh, not so great examples. So, um, uh, but also, like, when I, like, I, I am a pastor now, but that doesn't mean like I was good when I was a kid, just FYI, like I got into so much trouble and I could gauge the amount of trouble I was in by whether my mom was yelling, like that wasn't so bad. But when mom was so mad she couldn't talk or, or like when she was so mad that she needed a minute, right, like... I was in trouble, right? The silence was like, whoa, like I, I crossed the line here. I need to rethink my life as a 12-year-old, like, right? Like, um, you know, and uh, <laughs> like silence, another example of silence that I can think of is when Kim and I, um, when Kim had our, our first son, Dylan, who's around here somewhere, I don't know where, but, um, huh? Oh, he's helping in children's church, okay. He's everybody's favorite children's church helper. Um, but, uh, but Dylan uh, was, had, had, a, had a condition as a baby called colic. Has anybody ever heard of that before? Anybody ever dealt with a colicky baby? Yeah, so, um, so basically colic is defined officially like this. They scream all the time for no apparent reason. That's the official diagnosis in the medical journals, okay? They scream all the time for no reason, right? And so, like, I remember uh, us being, like, we lived in this house in, the, in, in Crestline when Dylan was first born, and, like, our bedroom was kind of large, and it was on the lower floor of the house, and uh, so we had a space for his crib just, like, off in our room, right? And so we, um, so we like, left Dylan, like, in the crib, and, and he would start to cry, and, like, he would cry and cry and cry and cry and cry, and we'd check his diaper, and we'd feed him, and, like, nothing. And then finally, at some point, maybe three hours later, he would stop, and we would, like, go put him down in the crib, like, just, like, don't even, you know, like, make a noise. You'd lay down in bed, and you'd, like, close your eyes, and that was, like, the greatest silence of all time, like, sleeping, colicky baby, and then usually about 30 minutes later, he'd start up again, but, um, but that, man, that 30 minutes of silence, that was, that was beautiful. Silence can grab your attention in a way that noise just can't, right? Like, how many of you even look at billboards on the freeway? Like, billboards are visual noise. Like, you know, and so, like, I, I, I just, like, block them out. Like, 
I mean, occasionally I'll look at them or whatever, but like, you know, billboards, pop-ups on the computer, visual noise, like silence and quiet and stillness can grab your attention in a way that noise just can't. And so we've been talking about Elijah uh, the last few days and uh, the last few Sundays, and and it wasn't really meant to be a sermon series or anything like that. Like it just kind of happened this way, um, which tells me that I feel like the Lord is doing something in, in the story of Elijah for our church, and and so it's a, it's kind of an unintentional sermon series. This is about the third week or fourth week I can't remember that we've discussed it, and uh, and uh, so I would really. Um, encourage you to press in and ask God what he has for you in the story of Elijah today. And, uh, and if you've heard some of this stuff already, um, I, I would just ask you to ask God to reveal it to you afresh um, now. But uh, Elijah is one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and we've, uh, people in the Bible, rather not, he's not a character, he's a person, right? He, he lived, you know, it's not like he's Spongebob or something. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, but Elijah is one of my favorite people in the Bible um, because he goes hard, but then he, he has a hard fall, right? And uh, I can relate to that. I go hard for, for uh, I go hard for Jesus. Um, and uh, and I'm, I've fallen occasionally, but um, you know, Israel, the, the backstory is just real brief. Israel has started worshiping other false gods. It's like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to worship the God, uh, the one true living God of Israel, but also they're trying to worship these, worship these other gods that culture tells them uh, are, are good gods too, like on, on the same level as the God of Israel, and, and, and the Lord warns them through Elijah that, um, that because Israel has started to worship other gods, a catastrophic drought is coming, right? And, uh, and, and, it, and it's going to last for years, and, uh, and the Lord told Elijah after he gave this word he needed to go into hiding, otherwise he was going to get, you know, killed. Um, for delivering that word. And so uh, the Lord told Elijah to split, and he went into hiding. Uh, God told Elijah that he would provide his every need through the drought, and he and Elijah had everything that he needed. He was drinking water from a brook in the middle of a drought. Just think about that for a second. Like a catastrophic drought where things around you are dying or dead, and you're drinking from a brook. Like, that's God's provision right there for Elijah. And also, like, the dude, um, God feeds Elijah, like, he sends ravens to bring Elijah bread and meat. Like, just once, I wish God would feed me by raven. Like, I mean, just, uh, just once. Is that too much to ask? Like, I would love that. That would be so rad. And... Um, but yeah, that's, that's God's provision for Elijah. He, he, these ravens bring him bread and meat, and he ends up staying at a widow's house, and, and there's a lot going on in that story. Um, but in, in, like in the meantime, Jezebel, uh, who um, 
whose name means I worship the Baals, right? And Elijah means um, I worship Yahweh. And uh, Jezebel um, is, is hunting down all of the prophets of the Lord and, and killing whatever ones she can get her hands on. And, and uh, this guy named Obadiah hunt, hides a hundred prophets in this cave. And it's a, it's a really cool story. First Kings 17 through 19, maybe 20, like it's good. Like there's some, there's some good stuff in there. I highly encourage you to go through it on your own. But eventually the Lord tells, like years later, the Lord tells Elijah it's time to go confront the king, uh, which leads to a showdown, which we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, so uh, Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal, which there are like 450 of them, to, to like a, basically like a, a god contest like or something like that. I don't know really how to explain it, but it's like a showdown where they bring, um, they prepare the offering and they prepare the wood and, the, and, and like all, all this um, like uh, the stones and the altar and everything like that. And they said the deal was that they couldn't start the fire. Like God, Yahweh, or, or Baal had to start the fire, right? And there's 450 prophets of Baal, and, um, and they're, like, going through their ritual, you know, and, and it gets pretty, pretty intense. They start to actually, like, cut themselves and stuff like that because Baal worship was very, very, very violent. And uh, I won't go too much into that, but, but, um, but like, it was an intense, intense... Uh, you know, hours of them trying to get Baal to light this this wood on fire, this altar on fire. And uh, Elijah finally had enough, and he's like kind of making fun of him, like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Baal's sleeping. Maybe you should talk louder. You know, maybe uh, he's in the bathroom, you know, and uh, all that's in the Bible. I'm not making that up. And, and, um, and so Elijah is like, finally, he's just like, get out of the way dump water all over my wood, you know, if, wh- how hard is wet wood to light? Like, like, especially if it's saturated, it's like almost impossible to light. And uh, so Elijah comes over to the altar, you know, and he just begins to pray, and pretty soon the Lord just uh, falls in fire, burns up the whole altar, burns up all the water, all the wood, all, all the stones, everything, and the people all go face down. And when all is said and done, and the people had fallen on their faces before the Lord, and they got rid of those prophets of Baal, Elijah goes up to King Ahab and, and, and says, Ahab, um, I don't know what you do with your white whale, but, um, no, not that Ahab. Um, a- King Ahab, um, go eat and drink because I hear the sound of heavy rain, which means like this drought is coming to an end. God's going to bring this drought to an end, and I hear it coming right now. And this is one of my favorite things about Elijah is he goes and he puts 
He goes off by himself and he puts, he, he like gets down on the ground like he bends down and puts his head between his knees and begins to pray. And he goes and sends someone to look and see if there's a cloud out there in the sky. It was clear sky. And, and uh, seven times he sends someone. And, and on, on the seventh time, there's a tiny, tiny cloud in the sky. I just, I, I have to ask my, my own self, like, how many times would I have sent someone before I gave up? You know, like, three, two, you know, but Elijah, he wasn't giving up. He was determined, and he knew God was going to provide. This little cloud shows up in the sky, and then eventually the sky grew black, and rain came, right? And, and, um, and so... Jezebel is furious with Elijah because he, uh, he killed all the prophets of Baal. And remember, her, she is uh, a very prominent Baal worshiper. And um, so Elijah runs, which is very weird. Like, he just, like, the dude got fed by ravens, Right? He saw fire fall from the sky when he asked the Lord to, to provide the fire. He saw, he prayed, and he saw a cloud, right, come, a tiny cloud, and then eventually that cloud turned into rain that ended this catastrophic doubt, uh, drought, right? And and all of a sudden, he fears for his life because Jezebel is killing these prophets, and she's after him, and he gets afraid and runs. And Elijah comes to this, this broom tree, and he's wiped out, and he's tired, and he's exhausted, and he's given everything he has Who's been, who's been there, like, where you've just been like, I literally have nothing left to give, right? Like, and he falls under this broom tree, and the Lord lets him sleep, and, and the Lord comes close to him, right? And we talked about that, how, how the Lord became, uh, like, he met Elijah where he was at. He didn't shame him for being afraid he didn't shame him for being where he was at. He came close to him, and he baked uh, bread on a hot stone, and he gave him water. He, melt, meet, he met Elijah in the simple things, right? We've talked about that. And so this happens twice. The Lord gives Elijah bread and water, and he's eventually able to get up and, and go meet the Lord on top of this mountain. And he travels on what the Lord gives him. He travels 40 days and for 40 nights, right? Supernatural, simple things, right? And uh, so this is where we're going to pick up the story today, um, is, is this encounter uh, that Elijah has with God. And uh, if you remember, who was here last week for our family gathering Okay, we did a, if you weren't, you missed out on a super fun thing that we did with balloons, right? Um, our family gatherings are the first Sunday of the month, and uh, we have the kids in here with us. And, and here's the thing, sometimes churches can make kids feel like they're 
less than because we shove them off in the kids, you know, area and uh, we, you know, occasionally they'll come out at Christmas or something. But like here at the mission, like we want them to not, not have little church and big church. Like we just want to be the church, right? And so, uh, so we had the kids in here with us and we had a memory verse that was scattered out in, in balloons and split it up by sides. And uh, each side had, had to assemble their verse, right? And does anybody remember the verse. <laughs> okay, it came in the gentle whisper. Not, not, don't steal my thunder now. I'm just kidding. Not in the fire, not in the earthquake, not in the wind, but in a gentle whisper, right? That's where we're going. That's where we're going. All right, so let's, uh, let's pick it up. First Kings. Uh, 19 verse 9. So Elijah at this point has traveled 40 days, 40 nights. He's on top of this mountain and uh, he's about to meet with God and he's, uh, he's, um, he's in this cave right now. So verse 9 is where we're going to pick it up. Uh, there he went into a cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword, and I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah's feeling sorry for himself. So, uh, verse 11, the Lord said, Go outside and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. How gracious is that of God. How gracious. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. We're going to stop right there. So Elijah's in this cave. He spent the night in. He comes. Uh, he he wakes up, and and the, and the Lord is like, "What are you What are you doing here, Elijah?" And and Elijah basically uh, confesses to the Lord his perspective of things. Right. It, it, uh, his perspective is that he's all alone. There's no one left in Israel that is uh, is is truly worshiping God. There's no one left, right? I'm all alone. 
you know, maybe he's implying, like, you should just be done with these people. Or, or like, um, you know, they're trying, they're trying to kill me, and I'm the last one who's really worshiping you and going after you and following your instructions. I'm the last one. And the Lord, in all of his graciousness, doesn't respond to Elijah's perspective. The Lord says, go out into the pre- into, uh, stand on the mountain and the presence, my presence, is going gonna, is gonna to come. And, and, and so like, we talked about the noise, right? Great and powerful uh, wind tore through. God has used wind before, right? He, he wasn't in the wind this time, but he's used wind before, right, in other stories. So Elijah senses that this wind, this wind isn't, isn't the presence of God. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. And the Lord has actually used earthquakes before in the Old Testament, right? He's used earthquakes before. But this time, the Lord is not in the earthquake. And then came the fire, right? And we know that the Lord has used fire because he just did it in the, like, he consumed the wood. Like, we know God uses fire. Like, God even spoke to Moses from a burning bush. What's different in this case? Why is God not in these things that he's used in the past? Like, fire. Like, when you look at um, Revelation 4, 5, there are elements of each of these things around the throne of, of the risen Jesus. Uh, Revelation 4, 5 says this, from the throne, this is the picture of the resurrected Jesus sitting next to the Father. For the th- from the throne came flashes of lightning rumblings and peals of thunder in front of the throne seven lamps were blazing and there were seven spirits of god so flashes of of lightning rumbling thunder and and lamps were blazing all those things are symbolized uh, are there at the throne room of the risen Jesus. So why not now? God spoke to Moses, right? He spoke to Moses. He met Moses and, and, uh, and the Israelite people and, uh, and what was present when God showed up to Moses. The Lord descended, this is Exodus 19, 20. The Lord descended on top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, go down. Oh, I skipped. I went the wrong place. Uh, Yeah. 
Oh, no, I want to back up. Sorry. Um, and Moses led the people off. Okay, 17. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. 18. Mount, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire, right? The, the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and while the whole mountain trembled violently, As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him, right? So so here's God meeting with Moses, and there's fire and smoke and wind and earthquakes. So why not when he meets with Elijah? Elijah steps out of the cave when he feels the silence. Because silence can grab your attention on a deeper level than noise can. And God God realizes, even though Elijah's perspective is wrong, he knows where he has to meet Elijah. Because he is a personal God, unlike Baal, who was de- depicted holding thunderbolts. Like he, he was a God of fire, right? And, and, and he was a warrior, like lots of the other false gods were warrior gods. Like you would, you would call upon your God to demolish your enemy. But here's God, our God, Yahweh, showing all of these elements and then meeting Elijah personally in a whisper, in a whisper, right? And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Some translations say the sound of sheer silence. So Elijah comes out of the cave. And the Lord asks him the same question. What are you doing here, Elijah? And basically, Elijah says the same thing. He gives God his perspective. And and basically, it boils down to fear. It boils down to fear. And Elijah had gone so hard after God that Maybe he forgot whose, just even a little bit, whose power it was that he had been showcasing all this time. Maybe, just maybe, Elijah had gotten to the place where he's like, I can't do any more of these crazy things. I'm out of gas. I'm like, when, when in actuality, God was the one doing it. The whole time. It's God's power, not Elijah. Elijah was the, the, was the vessel, was the steward of the presence, right? And, he, and, and maybe Elijah forgot whose power it truly was. Elijah's tired. Some people believe that he might have even been suicidal. Like, 
And God doesn't shame him for where he's at. Even though his perspective is wrong, he's not the only one. In fact, uh, Kings, uh, 1 Kings 19, after, uh, you know, if you continue reading on uh, after verse 15, the Lord gives Elijah a very specific plan for the future. For the future, right? To bring Israel back, right? So, so God, God meets Elijah where he's at, and he comes to him in the sound of sheer silence. And he gives Elijah hope for the future, right? He gives him hope for the future. But here's the other thing, is the very first thing that God instructs Elijah to do is to go back the way he came. Go face your fear and remember I am with you. Go back the way you came. Those words echo in my heart like like you wouldn't believe. Go back and face the fear, but this time remember whose power it is. Remember who is God and who is Elijah. Remember who is God and who is Jason. See, this is a personal God. The God Yahweh, the one true living God, meets Elijah in this personal, tender, vulnerable moment. And he says, go back and face your fear. I'm with you, and I'm going to give you hope for the future. I don't know. I don't know where you're at in your journey. I know it's been just a crazy few years. And in many ways, I think we're going to be dealing uh, with wounds from these last few years for a long time. But I would challenge you this morning that if you feel tired and if you feel weary, one, I would encourage you to make some space for silence in your life. Make some space for silence. You know, sometimes the only way I can get silence in my house is if I put on noise-canceling headphones. That's like not a joke. It's true. Like, I, I encourage you, make some space for silence in your life because the voice of the Lord, the still small voice, the one who spoke to Elijah in sheer silence will meet you there. He will meet you there. Eugene Peterson has this, uh, this saying that I love. 
says uh, it's about Sabbath. And for lots of people, the Sabbath is, is considered Sunday. But for me, uh, because of my, my job, like I choose Monday as my Sabbath where I rest and I uh, connect with God and I, you know, try to love my family the best I can and just be still. But Eugene Peterson says this, Sabbath is a time to receive silence and let it deepen into gratitude. Sabbath is a time to receive silence and let it deepen into gratitude. I encourage you to find some space for quiet in your life to meet intentionally with God. The second thing is, is if you're feeling down and heavy from this last season and you feel like you're carrying some, some baggage, one, create some space for silence. Two, Take some time and remember who God is. Remember who God is and remember who you are. Recount all the times God has been faithful in your life. Maybe you're a journaler. Maybe you could just make a list of, of times where God has been faithful to you where he's given you the next step, where he's given you hope for the future. Because God, I'm telling you guys, God has never been anything but faithful in my life. And the times where I felt like, where are you, God? I don't know where you are. You're distant. Like, those are times where I had to go through something. And sometimes going through those times is painful, but God always has a purpose in it. And he's there. He's still there. But I would encourage you, create some space for silence in your life. Whether it be the practice of a Sabbath or, you know, I heard somebody told me this week that um, uh, a famous rapper has like a practice of his whole team taking an hour Sabbath every day, like one hour Sabbath every day at like 830 or something like that. I'm like, dude, that's like bedtime. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know what it looks like for you, but I do know that if you're intentional about it, God will meet you in it because he wants to meet with you. He wants to speak to you. But sometimes the noise is so loud in our life that we can't hear or sense the direction of God. And so I want to encourage you to do those couple of things. And I want you to remember that you know, these may be Old Testament stories, but who was with Jesus at the transfiguration when God said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased? Who was there in Matthew talking 
with Jesus and the disciples walked up on them, Moses and Elijah. Right? Jesus is our savior, our forgiver, our 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 friend. He's the center of everything we do in this church. And when we make space intentionally for that, we can hear the voice. We can feel the guidance. Thankfully, Jesus left his spirit with us. The Holy Spirit. So I'm going to invite the team back up. I've, I've gone too long, but I, um, I want to create some space right now for a prayer. Um, and uh, we're just going to take some time to remember who God is and who we are. And, uh, and that he's not just a, he's not just a, a God that's concerned um, only with accomplishing, you know, a battle or defeating an enemy or something like that. He's a personal God who will meet you right where you are and won't shame you, but he will speak to you and give you hope for the future. He will love on you. He will provide for you, just like he provided for Elijah when he couldn't go on. The Lord is our strength. When we start to rely on our own strength, that's when we get messed up. So let's just pray right now. Father God, Lord, I pray that as it was with Elijah, as you were with Elijah, that it would be today, Lord, that you would meet us in the stillness and in the silence, that you would speak, Lord. And even if our perspective is wrong, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Even if our perspective is wrong, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your provision. Even if our perspective is wrong, we uh, rely on you, Lord, for hope for the future. We want to see your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Just say that with me, as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come Holy Spirit. Rest here. Do what you want to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redland. 
For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.